Hello, welcome to Life Sciences in Queensland. Joining us today is one of Australia's best-known manufacturing industry experts, engineering consultant and keynote speaker, Shay Chalmers. Having gained her Bachelor of Engineering followed by a Master of Engineering Management, Shay initially worked overseas and her global career has spanned a variety of manufacturing environments from steel to medical devices. Today, Shay owns and runs Strategic Engineering Australia. She also contributes her knowledge and expertise to six high-level industry, government and not-for-profit boards, including the prestigious World Economic Forum Expert Network. Shay, welcome. Thank you. Tell me about the Strategic Engineering Australia story. Well, we started about four years ago and it was born from my passion to want to help more manufacturing companies scale up or reshore. So I really just wanted to be able to spread my knowledge and expertise across the nation to help our manufacturers. And do you think there's still this perception of what manufacturing is, that it's it's low paid, it's maybe dirty in some in some cases? Absolutely. Perception versus the reality of manufacturing is a real challenge for us. People who've never encountered it firsthand, manufacturing tends to conjure up some unfortunate mental images. It's often seen as that dirty manual labour, tedious, outdated, inhumane processes. The perception of insecurity in its future and that it's just not a well-paid career. These misconceptions all impact on our ability to grow and develop as we're struggling to attract talent into manufacturing. I guess the frustrating thing about perception is that these are all categorically untrue. Just to be clear, that version of manufacturing is in our past. These generalizations discredit the reality of industry today. It does not adequately describe the new age of high-tech manufacturing. Modern manufacturing consists of mostly highly skilled jobs that are at the heart of our future economies. A huge gap exists between how manufacturing is perceived and what it actually has to offer for those looking to make their mark on the world with their skills and knowledge. So it, it's a challenge that we struggle with every day in manufacturing and one that we're trying really hard to burst that bubble. Before setting up strategic engineering, you worked extensively overseas. How did your experience abroad shape who you are today? My global experience, I think, shaped everything for me. When I first moved to the US and got involved in the steel industry and moved to small town America, I didn't realise how much it was really going to impact my future. I worked on the line looking after maintenance, engineering and electrical support staff and we worked together to make the line more efficient and more productive. But the biggest moment for me was when the global financial crisis hit. Steel in the region that I lived in was absolutely decimated. We went from 10,000 employees to 1,000 in a matter of months. 
I watched the town around me struggle. I watched the people that I loved and cared for struggle to pay their bills. And I guess for me, going through that experience made me really realize how manufacturing is not just the act of making stuff. It supports communities, it supports families, and it can be the lifeblood of a community if, if we let it. How competitive do you feel Australia is on the global stage when it comes to manufacturing? It's a, that's a really good question because I think we need to be careful about focus. We're a small nation, but what we're well recognised for is our Australian-made brand. Globally, we're looked at as high quality, high precision, and it, that Australian-made brand is something that I really don't think we leverage enough because from the outside looking in, people love Australian-made. We have the ability to leverage our phenomenal education system to create novel products and bring them to market. And I think if we lean on our intellect and our innovative nature, leverage our Australian brand, we are a really strong competitor on the global stage. But over the next decade, we're told that Australia looks destined to face a skill shortage and we'll be fighting on the world stage for enough qualified, experienced talent to support our manufacturing industries. What measures do you believe should be taken to ensure that Australia overcomes that challenge? This is a really interesting and complex topic. And it's one that I'm particularly passionate about because it's something that we're really struggling with, not just here in Australia, but also globally. Skills and capability development underpins both the social and economic prosperity, and it enables inclusive industry growth. I guess the flip side of this, though, is that lack of access to the right skills at the right time can be debilitating to an industry and the community surrounding it. The current labour shortage is, is hardly a unique talking point in manufacturing circles. In fact, it's unfortunately something that us as manufacturers, we're kind of starting to get tired of talking about. Not because it doesn't matter and not because we've solved this problem, but because years have gone by without meaningful progress, despite the issues being discussed at length by industry leaders, politicians and educational institutions at all levels. Unfortunately for manufacturers, the skills gap just grows wider as each day goes by. Currently in Australia, manufacturing suffers one of the highest rates of skill shortages in the labour market. And this is backed up by the ABS finding that 17.2% of manufacturers said that a lack of skilled people in the labour market was a barrier to doing general business activities. And from my perspective, the challenges around skills and capability are compounded by a number of forces. Although most people see manufacturing as an industry, it's really a series of capabilities that covers almost every aspect of our community. This makes it incredibly complex to support from a skills and capability perspective. It's so broad and the skills required for each industry that manufacturing supports are so specific. For example, the skills required to assemble and pack a medical device are entirely different to those required to machine precision metal components or injection mold a plastic product for a defence application. We will be fighting on a global stage for skilled workers. Just to put that in perspective, how widespread these skills shortages are, 
Deloitte predict that in the US, the manufacturing skills shortage could risk 2.5 trillion US dollars in economic output over the next decade. They also predict that 2.4 million jobs in manufacturing will be unable to be filled over that same period. That equates to over half the manufacturing jobs. This is a serious issue here, which could impact on our ability to not only supply our Australian-made products to the world, but will have severe economic impacts for our industry that brings over $100 billion to the Australian economy every year. It's just not something that we can ignore. But that being said, it's not all doom and gloom. I always think that with challenge comes opportunity. And this is an opportunity for Australia to step up to the plate and lead the way on the manufacturing skills capability journey. And and on that, where are such qualified skilled workers most likely to come from, do you think? It's a great question. And I think to answer that, I probably need to start with the manufacturing pipeline because that's something that's actually broken. The way I see it is that we actually have a siloed education system, a system where there's a fork in the road. It it makes our future workforce decide their path at the young age of 12 or even 13. They start selecting subjects which push them down one path in that fork without truly understanding what that means. The fork I speak of is that binary decision, tertiary or vocational, professional or trade. This, in my opinion, is one of the core issues that we have with our future workforce for advanced manufacturing. And it goes against the lifelong learning, building blocks approach required for skilling. And it's severely restricting our skills pipeline. I believe we need to turn this education path on its head. We need an agile approach to education as skilling needs to keep up with the rate of technological change. Why can't we have a system where people can continue to educate themselves throughout their life if they choose to do so? Why can't our tradespeople leverage their existing expertise to develop additional micro qualifications to become an expert? Why does the path to trade qualifications differ so much to the path to to engineering qualifications when we all work together to solve the same problems? These are the questions that I keep reflecting on and My vision is to see what it looks like in Australia if we have an education pathway that fills our pipeline, leveraging trade to technician to engineer all in one seamless path. Shay, are your peers, and the public for that matter, are they a bit surprised when you tell them Australia's manufacturing industries already employ almost 1.3 million people? Yes, definitely. We don't realise that manufacturing touches all aspects of our community. We have such a broad range of manufacturers, particularly in the tech space. I think people don't realise that a lot of their products actually come from within this country. But I have noticed, though, that during COVID, the public perception has changed. They've seen firsthand how our industry has responded with agility and innovation to support the healthcare needs, to set up personal protective equipment manufacture like masks and gowns so that we didn't have the same shortage of supply that other nations saw. So I think that perception is changing and the community has really got behind Australian Made, supporting our local manufacturers and looking at those labels and saying, where does this come from? Can I possibly buy this same product from one of our Australian manufacturers? So it's great to see. And looking forward... How many additional skilled people 
and in which trades is Australia going to need? That's a really, really hard question to answer. Mm. And I haven't actually seen any statistics within Australia regarding this. I think the skills that we need to transition to advanced manufacturing are a little bit different to the skills that we needed in the past. We need things surrounding digital literacy, programming, emotional intelligence becomes really important as well, as well as skills around resilience. So it's kind of a combination of technical the technical skills that we need to support a digital transformation, but combine that with the ability to be agile and resilient and work with people are becoming increasingly important. Shay, has your global work experience given you any insights that now inform your suggestions for addressing the skills shortage facing Australia? Having global experience allows you to see what success looks like in different cultures, Mm. in different countries, in different regions. I guess the thing that I take to my everyday work that's probably the strongest is that regional expertise. When you work in a small town and you see how much the community relies upon the large employers that are there and what impact it can have, I guess it's made me really have a soft spot for regional manufacturing. Um, In Australia, we are such a geographically diverse country and and Queensland is a massive state. So we have a lot of diverse regions around the country that really do require a different kind of support to what we get in cities. So I've got a soft spot for regional support, I think. (laughs) Is uh, regional manufacturing likely to change over the years um, or advance more quickly, say, than the cities? I think they have the opportunity to. But the biggest challenge to regional manufacturers is retaining skills. We need to make sure that we've got the educational pipeline in each of our core regional towns that supports the industry. So there's a key level of alignment there between education and industry required so that there's a good pipeline and doing things around quality of life and and living in those regions that make people stay. We've we've got some beautiful, beautiful places around the country that are strong manufacturing hubs, uh, particularly in Queensland, between central and north Queensland. We've got some great places. But we just need to ensure that we keep attracting the young people, keep the talent in the regions, and, and that's going to be critically important for their success. The Queensland Voice Leaders Program acknowledged your contribution to women in STEM And in 2019, you were named the Women in STEM champion. How important is diversity and inclusion to Australia's engineering future? Oh, that's a great question. And it's absolutely critical. I I think diversity across all aspects of our community is important. We need to ensure that the leadership that we have represents the community that it's representing. So from a STEM perspective, I'm a mechanical engineer. It's, I think, around 3% female even now it hasn't changed much since I graduated almost 20 years ago so we're not getting that pipeline of girls coming through that can create and become the next generation of leaders it it, there's so much data and research around how it increases productivity creative thinking delivers better outputs we know we need diversity it's just a challenge to get that pipeline of stem girls coming through you just touched on there your university studies you were one of only a few women and immediately launched into a career into a heavily male-dominated industry. How well do you think your industry 
has adapted to the growing presence of female engineers? Great question. It was really interesting, I guess, when I started working in the steel mill, I was the only female on the floor. And I think at first that was in in a small town America and I talked funny. So I was young, female and had a funny accent. I think I was the only foreigner in town too. So I had everything going for me, not. But I I think at first that was really challenging for, for all of my male counterparts. But what was really important to me was that I had a number of champions. I had a number of my colleagues that pushed me forward very early on, put me in the meeting rooms. I had a seat at the table and I had a voice. So as challenging as it was to work in that kind of environment, the thing that I think catapulted my career and helped me to grow as the only female at the table was that I had men supporting me throughout that. And we cannot underestimate the importance of that sponsorship for our for our male counterparts as mm. well, because it really had a massive impact on my career. Were there some men, though, who perhaps still required some level of understanding? Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember when I was leaving, it was a very sad time. I moved back to Australia and there was many tears from me and the guys. And I remember one of the guys saying to me, I did everything in my power to make you fail, but you stood up to every challenge and now we feel like we can't live without you. And I think that was kind of one of the most validating things I've ever heard. Like I know that's not ideal that people are setting you up to fail, but ultimately I think if you show a level of resilience and you demonstrate that you can actually be a valuable member of the team, that eventually you can get people to come around. But that being said, I don't want the ladies coming behind me to have to go through that same journey. It's it's not fair to expect that level of resilience out of out of female engineers. So I'm really passionate about creating a path and creating a voice so that those behind me can have a uh, less treacherous path. <laughs> it sounds to me that you were instrumental in leading a pathway to change. Is that how you see it? In some respects, yes. I feel that having a voice now and being in, in the position that I'm in, in influencing a number of different aspects of the industry through the committees and, and the boards that I sit on, I feel like I have a level of obligation to, to be that voice and to support the next generation and ensure that they have a seat at the table and that their path isn't as hard. That's something that's that I'm really passionate about. Just because I had to go through it doesn't mean those behind me do. (laughs) Your various board roles suggest that uh, you value giving back to the industry. Why has that been so important to you? Giving back is, is something that is aligned to my sense of purpose. From a manufacturing perspective, seeing how important it is to communities and families, it's it's not just a job. It's It creates these communities of people that support one another. It puts food on the table for families. Being an engineer, you can be a driver of positive change. And I guess the giving back for me is about using my experience and expertise to try and drive positive change and, and help as much as I can. Shay, you've achieved so much in your career thus far are your best years still ahead do you think oh that's such a good question it's funny you know because I reflect on where I'm going in my future every single year 
And I think that's one thing that I wouldn't mind getting across, particularly to the to the younger generation coming through. You don't need to meticulously plan out every aspect of your path. I would never have guessed of the turns and roundabouts and everything that I've been through in my career. I could have never have prepared for that. But you know, what I did do was say yes to every opportunity. Even if in the back of my mind, I thought I questioned myself and thought, oh, I don't know if I deserve this. I don't know if I can do it. I always said yes, because my thoughts were if somebody else thought I could do this, then I should believe in myself too. So I'm sure the best is yet to come. I just don't know what that looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Is the future of manufacturing in safe hands? Oh, I hope so. I think we've got one of the things that Queensland Manufacturing has going for it is we've got this fabulous interconnected ecosystem. We've got a team of champions all across the state who are giving their time like me to support the industry. And I feel like I'm surrounded by the most amazing ecosystem. And we're just so lucky to be here that I think the industry is in safe hands, not just mine, but our whole ecosystem. Shay Chalmers, thanks for spending time today to underscore what's needed to sustain and grow a healthy manufacturing industry right here in Queensland and the rest of Australia. Thank you. My pleasure.